And finally, um, no matter what a post-pandemic world um, has in store, I have a stronger than ever sense that leadership matters, maybe today more than ever. And really effective leadership is going to be an even more precious um, uh, quality into the years ahead. Welcome to season two of Ingenious You, the podcast where we talk about higher education, innovative practice, and leading edge thinking. Your host is Melissa Morris Olson. The challenges facing colleges and universities short term and in the years to come are immense. And yet many institutions are adapting in surprising and inspiring ways. In each episode of Ingenious U, we will talk with higher education thought leaders about the academic transformation that is underway. Our guests will include college and university leaders, faculty, innovators, futurists, and others who are thinking about and experimenting with new approaches. Be sure to hit subscribe to Ingenious U wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, you can rate, interview this podcast and share with your colleagues and friends so they can join the conversation too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Ingenious You, where we consider the most urgent and provocative topics that are reshaping higher education, and we speak with its most creative and visionary leaders. Today, it is a pleasure to welcome Dr. Jay Lemons to our community. Jay became president of Academic Search, the premier higher ed search firm in 2017, after serving for 25 years as a college president in both public and private higher education. To say he is a recognized leader in the academy is an understatement. Lemons has been particularly devoted to supporting leadership talent by working with new college presidents on the faculty of the new president's programs of the American Association of State Colleges and Universities and the Council of Independent Colleges and through the professional development programs for aspiring leaders of the American Academic Leadership Institute. There is so much more that I could say. We will include Jay's extensive bio in our show notes. But for now, Jay, it is such a privilege to have you join us today. It's a thrill to have this opportunity to be with you and to uh, have a chance to uh, in- engage with your listeners. Thank you for the invitation and thanks for the work that you're, you're doing, Melissa. Oh, you're welcome. Now, we like to begin our conversation by asking our guests to share something about their professional career path. And in your case, you have had a remarkable and wide-ranging career culminating in highly successful and long-lasting presidencies. Given this, how is it that you find yourself at this point in your career leading academic search, and how does this fit with the rest of your story? Mm. Um, I'll leave the last part of that question to, uh, to the end. If I ever offered uh, or wrote a memoir, I know the title would be The Accidental President. Um, the truth is um, I found myself provided unusual opportunities, even as an undergraduate student, to do work in higher ed administration. 
Um, and like a lot of young people um, uh, in their collegiate years, was still trying to discern and figure out what it is I wanted to do um, with my life, and how I um, uh, would build a life and how I would make a living. Um, and I'll, I'll forever be grateful to the important mentors in my life. And there are, num there are a, a significant number of them who encouraged me. I'll never forget Vicki Stream Pushkar saying to me, you ever thought about working in higher ed administration? And the honest answer was no, I didn't, I had not. And so in some ways it, it, it spun from there um, uh, to really incredible opportunities at my uh, undergraduate alma mater. And, um, uh, and, and um, that work led me into uh, an immediate graduate program and a first job postmasters that um, uh, took me from my native state of Nebraska to Texas three incredible years um, at Texas A&M. Um, and I had a number of really interesting choices. And frankly, I, I look back and I think about it. It was the quality of the people um, at Texas A&M that really were the draw for me. And I have come to believe that that was one of the most important um, themes uh, of, of, of my career as it unfolded was finding high quality people that I shared uh, a sense of values and vision with um, has been reinforced at, 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 at frankly, at every turn. And so um, after being there for a few years, I honestly, with my partner, um, uh, my wife, Marsha, we made a decision that we would, um, that my odds of being immersed in work and completing a doctoral program at the same time were probably not great. And so I, I did full-time PhD work um, that led me to the University of Virginia, where again, advice I got was find someone with whom you'd want to study. And that person was uh, Dr. Annette Gibbs at the University of Virginia. And she was a great mentor teacher um, uh, um, and became, you know, a champion and a friend. And uh, out of that experience, I found myself um, spending time as a, a, initially as an intern and later as a member of the staff in the president's office at the University of Virginia. And um, at the time it was um, propitious for me to think about um, 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 beginning to look um, I asked my boss then, um, the president of the University of Virginia, John Castine, if he would be willing to serve as um, a reference for me. And, and he said, I, of course, I'll be happy to be a reference, but I don't think your work's done here. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. um, um, it turned into a longer stint um, in his office. He just told me to learn all I could. And there may be some day that he asked me to go do something. And I could not have imagined um, 18 months later, um, you know, about 15 months out of my PhD program, he asked me if I would serve as the acting chancellor of what was then called Clinch Valley College of the University of Virginia and um, uh, for six to nine months. And I could not have imagined that it would turn into um, eight and a half years and frankly, a vocation, a calling um, and a uh, and a match. Um, and from there, uh, I, you know, I had the opportunity to serve another really wonderful institution, Susquehanna University in Pennsylvania. And so the combination of all of those things, ultimately having served as a, um, um, the chancellor of an ASCU um, uh, institution and um, uh, uh, also a private Council of Independent College um, institution um, was what 
struck um, one of my colleagues, um, Scott Miller, who I met um, early in my time at now the University of Virginia's College at Wise, because he too was a regional president in that part of the world. And he thought, ha, you've served in both. Have you ever thought about doing um, uh, something different? Would you be open to a different calling? And, um, and so that's how I find myself in this, in this position um, at, at a different point in my life and career, trying to be of help and service to higher education, working not on an individual campus, but on the larger canvas of leadership in higher education, helping institutions while they're in transition, and trying to be a resource for those who are emerging as leaders in higher ed. So I'm a very, very, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, to paraphrase um, another great higher ed, um, uh, actually novel, Lucky Jim, um, uh, another name for a memoir could be Lucky Jay. <laughs> well, you know, and it, it, it's, uh, it is, uh, fortuitous the way it's all it's all come full circle for you and it, it I just wanted to to note you talk about the importance of people who have influenced you and been mentors for you and you know I know folks who say the same about you that you have been a mentor and an important influence in their lives so it really does come full circle and now you have such a great opportunity to to do that for so many leaders um, who are on their way so let, let me ask you, and it's, you know, it's always a little dangerous to um, interview somebody who hosts their own podcast, <laughs> but, but we're, we're going to dive right into this because you do host your own podcast. It's got a great title, Leaders on Leadership, where you speak regularly with college and university presidents and other leaders. And I would love to know what you're hearing uh, and what you're learning from these conversations, particularly because you're having these conversations right now in the midst of some pretty interesting times in higher ed. So what are you hearing about what's happening on a campus level, um, what the issues are that people are uh, dealing with, and any general themes? Well, uh, thank you. Um, I have very much enjoyed the privilege of those conversations, just as uh, I know you are too. Um, you know, I my goal with Leaders on Leadership is to, in some ways, try and unleash some of the stories about the people and the forces that have really shaped um, those who are called to leadership today. Uh, to understand what's been important to them, to have a forum for raising up um, advice for um, uh, leaders today and, and emerging leaders and, and the like. And I have really, really treasured um, the time that people have been willing to spend with me. What am I hearing? You know, I'm hearing... Um, so we're, we, we, we do some uh, realm of conversation uh, about, um, uh, you know, kind of current events. But, but this is, this is um, I, I hope the shelf life of this is, is, is longer um, in terms of, uh, of more than uh, the, the current events. But you can't help but not have conversations with people about how it's going now. And, you know, we are um, uh, 10 plus months in to um, the most unusual disruption in higher education that has happened in our lifetimes. 
and you're hearing a lot about the extraordinary inspiration that people are drawing from their administrative teams. Um, I'm hearing a lot about um, uh, a, a desire that there was better balance in the coverage of higher education because the reality is, you know, institutions have been incredibly nimble and creative and, um, and heroic. Um, the way communities have come together to try and serve the needs of students. Um, frankly, different than I see a lot uh, uh, in the press about um, uh, how our leaders are doing. Um, we seem to be more drawn to telling the stories of the places where it hasn't gone so well, where there have been significant spread of virus and the like. And that's a risk um, that so many people are working so hard uh, to mitigate. Um, I hear people talking about, and I'm very concerned about the fatigue of the intensity of this period. Um, in, in my mind, um, it, it, you know, uh, there's probably each of these months is the equivalent of a dog year's worth of experience for um, uh, um, all campus leaders. And um, again, I, uh, I, I, I worry about the longer term implications of that and hope that people are finding ways of caring um, up for themselves. Um, and, and, you know, lots of concern about what a post, um, um, you know, pandemic world um, of higher education is going to look like. I, I hear um, and spend time also with, um, with trustees and, 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 um, and others who wonder whether um, the, the place for, um, especially those institutions that have a residential orientation, uh, will, it, will it continue to exist? And in my own sense is, Melissa, the, the, you know, uh, the answer to that question is emphatically yes. Um, the eagerness of students to return um, uh, for those who are traditional age, um, uh, uh, to um, having more holistic campus experiences is enormous. Um, I also think that we'll be reshaped in ways that will add degrees of flexibility that we could not have imagined um, uh, prior to now. Um, and finally, um, no matter what a post-pandemic world um, has in store, I have a stronger than ever sense that leadership matters, maybe today more than ever. And really effective leadership is gonna be an even more precious um, uh, quality into the years ahead. Mm, boy, I'm so glad that you're making the opportunity uh, for these kinds of conversations, because I, I do agree with you that this more positive and uh, optimistic uh, and, and heroic, I, I, I agree with the use of that word. It, it, it's important that that message gets out as well because people are working so, so very hard. Um, so thank you for your work in that regard. Um, and I, I'm gonna include, uh, include a, a link to the, the podcast also in the show notes so that others can, um, can make sure to subscribe and, and listen into these stories that you are, you're hosting. Uh, let me let me pivot here for someone who is at a crossroads and contemplating uh, where a college or a university presidency might be in uh, his or her future. Do you have any guidance? Um, how might one discern the pathway um, and whether that pathway is appropriate appropriate for them? Thank you for the question. Um... I, uh, 
I, I and I appreciate that you use the word discern. Um, I oft say that more people want to be a president than do president. And, um, and I think it's really critical that people have their eyes wide open. There are, I worry, sometimes some people who believe that their life and their career may not be complete unless they become a president. It's, if you will, the higher ed version of Potomac fever. And I think that that causes one to miss a whole lot in the here and now. And I think that's in some ways, my advice is um, to do the work that you have in the spot that you are extraordinarily well, and to be focused on that place rather than always focused on one's next move. And yet, there are points along the way where when we've made a difference, we either need to be um, open to a call from another place or to finding a new pathway. If we find ourselves at a point where um, we've done all that we can in a particular institution. Um, there are some wonderful programs um, um, that are out there. Uh, for, uh, I think, helping people to discern. The first one I'd raise up is the Council of Independent Colleges um, vocational, presidential vocational conferences that are uh, a, an extended program um, that, that I think provides a powerful opportunity for reflecting and thinking about what this might mean with some meaningful um, uh, relationships and follow-up activity that 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 that, uh, that follows um and i think that's a, a wonderful one um our parent organization the american academic leadership institute offers um, a program called mastering the steps of the presidential search process and 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 it's it's um uh, that's a little more um uh, pragmatic and and mechanical trying to equip people for these processes um, I, I would tell you that I think it's it's about being patient and persevering um, and, um, uh, and and then trying to find a spot where there's a real match between your gifts and the needs and hunger um, uh, to use uh, Frederick Beekner's um, uh, mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of, of uh, you know, the great needs of, of a particular campus community. And, um, you know, I. Uh, I, I it, I will, um, I, I had unusual opportunities very early on in, in my own uh, walk and journey. Um, and I, I can honestly say it was totally unexpected. For many others, it is um, something they should be thinking about and planning for. Um, and yet, um, um, you know, I do think um, uh, throwing yourself into the work that you have in the immediate is probably um, the most important and best thing that one can do. Mm. So, you know, it, it, a question that just uh, came to mind, if you had not become a president, what do you think you would have done? Oh, see, I, had, I did have clarity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, my objective um, was to be the chief student affairs officer of an institute. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I, that was the pathway that I had begun my career on and was nur really mm. uh, nurtured me as a young professional. And, um, in, and in my mind's eye, that was the place where I thought I could make a difference. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and that makes sense because you are so student oriented. Um, so now you, I think, you know, that we have a doctoral program in higher education at Bay Path. And one of the questions that I get from our students quite often has to do with uh, how do they even get themselves on the radar for search processes or, uh, you know, to get the attention of the, the search firm. Do you have any uh, advice that you could give in terms of networking or, or personal branding? And along those same lines, is there like a, a short list of things you should never do? <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I can only really in some ways respond to this um, from um, the, the, the perspective of the world of search. Uh, there are, uh, you know, there are a great number of different, um, um, uh, mostly, um, you know, firms um, who do this work. Um, academic search is a bit unusual. Um, I, I, we are a practice um, rather than a firm. And the big difference there is there's no private ownership um, where we are. Um, um, you know, we really are mission based. Um, we're owned by um, the American Academic Leadership Institute and have, you know, a board of, of, um, uh, of, of higher ed leaders, mostly institutional presidents. Um, and, I, you know, I, I will say, how do you get on the radar screen? Don't be shy about um, contacting um, whatever search organization is leading a particular search and seeing if you can learn more and have a conversation. Um, it is via these conversations that um, uh, many folks um, uh, get to be known and noticed. Um, I, I would say that um, if, if you have mentors um, who are willing to be champions, um, who might be willing to offer thoughtful um, you know, uh, letters of, of nomination um, that, can, uh, that they would send to um, search organizations, that can be helpful. Um, personal branding. Um, you know, I, I think this, this is not something that necessarily comes easy uh, for uh, those of us in higher education. Um, and, and um, um, you know, I guess I would say don't get too cute um, uh, in some ways. <laughs> uh, I, I watch, um, I've watched now, you know, probably close to getting close to 25 presidential search committees or thereabouts, uh, maybe more, uh, maybe closer to 30. Um, and, um, you know, whether you have, um, you, know, you don't need to embed a photo. You don't need to embed video links. Um, most of them go at the work um, looking at the materials in fairly conventional, traditional ways. Uh, I, you know, and, and so I, I think having a solid, um, uh, resume or CV is, is, is you know, uh, one of the most important forms of currency. I think having well-crafted, thoughtful cover letters that speak to the needs of the institution rather than um, being a recitation of your, um, uh, your, your CV in, in, in narrative form um, is really vital. Um, and, then, you know, I think it's having a track record and demonstrations of of, of, of sustained success. Um, and so back, part of being patient is, um, you know, be in a job for, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
an extended period of time is almost always a helpful um, a part of, uh, of, 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 of establishing credible candidacy. Mm. Finally, maybe thinking so, about your career um, and, and you know, all of us can take a left turn, um, but you know, know that committees are, are, are focused on looking at and trying to understand and, and, and sometimes there are inequities in this, but they're looking at the trajectory of careers. And so, you know, too many moves and in too short a period of time um, are going to raise questions. And so, you know, be thinking about the whole of, of your career as, as you, as you, um, uh, you know, answer different opportunities and calls. There has never been a better time to study higher education. And the Bay Path University Master's Degree Program in Higher Education Administration has been designed with this in mind. Through the highly practical and relevant coursework, you will learn to identify emerging trends and apply cutting-edge practices to address the challenges faced by higher education professionals today. Classes start every eight weeks and are taught entirely online by supportive professionals who have deep knowledge and skill in the practice of higher education. This Bay Path program offers unique concentrations in enrollment management, institutional advancement, and online teaching and program administration. There's even a joint entry track with a doctoral program in higher education leadership and organizational studies for highly qualified applicants. Whether you are already a higher education professional or you're looking to switch professions to work at a college or university, the Masters in Higher Education Administration from Bay Path University will expand your career opportunities and provide you with personal mentoring and lifelong networks of like-minded professionals. Take the next step. Visit our website at baypath.edu slash higheredadmin. The need for qualified administrators in higher education has never been greater. Again, that's baypath.edu slash higheredadmin. you to dig a little deeper in terms of uh, these search firms and institutions that you've been working with. Um, what, what are they looking for now uh, when they set out to hire a president? So do you have uh, a sense, a listing in your own mind, most essential skills and traits uh, that you're seeing that, that the search firms are looking for? And has this changed at all since you assumed your first presidency well let me, um, I I, uh, I rather think that leadership um, I, I, I may put it in historic terms I, I rather think Father Hesburg at Notre Dame would still be a very effective president today mm-hmm. uh, and then I think you could look back across highly effective leaders um, in a variety of spaces and I think that to be the case. Um, But, you know, in today's world, um, there is no question that there is a premium around people who um, I I would mention, um, you know, a strong 
track record of success and understanding and competence in in diversity, equity, and inclusion feels, um, um, you know, screamingly important today. Um, I think it's always been important, but I think its prominence is greater than ever. I think, um, uh, you know, uh, the ability to uh, to show um, uh, skill in change management, um, and I think um, communication, and in particular crisis communication, is certainly being highlighted by the unusual demands of the era that we're living through now. So you know, those are you know, to to, to um, I, I could I could go on. I mean, I, I will say that um, Melissa, every institution has its own story, its own mm-hmm. circumstance. And um, and I guess I should also say a word about the role of of the consultants, at least um, uh, the orientation that we have. And I think it predominates in this space is that our job is to recruit, um, um, you know, strong pools of of candidates um, and to do all that we can to help facilitate, to organize, um, uh, to inform um, and, and to contribute as partners. Um, but it's different than, you know, um, uh, the, the, the world of, of, of corporate recruitment where it may be, you know, put together a group of 10 really strong candidates for us. But we, we, are, we are much less in the role of advocating for candidates than we are trying to help institutions have the ability um, to use their own lens in making those determinations. And I think sometimes um, um, there's a misunderstanding about that. I interviewed David Staley in season one. David's at The Ohio State University and has written the book Alternative Universities, has written a lot about innovation. And one of the points he makes in his book is that uh, he believes institutions need leaders who have an appetite for innovative thinking and leading today more than ever. And yet he also said that um, while... uh, an institution may say it wants an innovative leader when it comes right down to it. It, it, it doesn't all, it doesn't always actually want a person who's going to come in and, uh, and be disruptive, if you will. Uh, do you have an opinion about that? I, I think that innovation is really vital. Um, if I had named a fourth mm-hmm. earlier, I would have said innovation. On the other hand, I will say, mm-hmm. though, um, I think that's not new. Um, in a way, um, I look at, at it's what ha- has happened in higher ed in the course of my career, and there has been a whale of a lot of innovation. And I think leaders have to be the sense makers of where there may be opportunities to help, um, um, you know, strengthen their institution and its and and, and in support of its mission by thinking about meeting um, uh, the needs that are out there. Frankly, that's about innovation. Um, and, and so it may or may not be, you know, uh, the big sweeps uh, around innovation. Um, you know, yeah, gosh, you look at uh, what Paul LeBlanc has done at, at Southern New Hampshire. What an incredible story. That's innovation, yeah. all caps, bold love. <laughs> and um, and yet, you know, let's uh, let's talk about um, you know the incredible you know career that that Carol Leary had at, at Baypath. Mm-hmm. That's incredible innovation. Um, and um, and and yet, a lot of it was making sense of needs 
and opportunities and trying to marry institutions' resources into meeting those. Um, and that's what I think effective leaders have been doing um, uh, throughout time. There, there's, this is not an era for a caretaking leader. Well put. So some have suggested that the role of the college president is more difficult today than ever, especially on the heels of the pandemic. And some of these same folks have suggested that there's actually an increase in individuals exiting the role prematurely. In fact, I think there've been some articles in the Chronicle about this. Do you, do you have thoughts about this? Is this something you're seeing or, um, and it, it ties into your, your previous yeah. comments. So in my mind, it's way too early to know for sure. This is gonna be some of the you know forensic work five years out and looking back. I have a worry as I articulated earlier. Um, and my recollection of the, the one Chronicle article um, was that it, you know, it found that actually there were fewer, um, um, you know, uh, vacancies um, this year compared to um, uh, previous years that sort of similar day-to-day -day comparisons. I think I think both are true, um, and um, uh, you know, I, I I am not so far from the seat not to have suffered with something that I expect that you um, have, have suffered with some, Melissa, and that is a, almost a, a sense of survivor's guilt. I can't not <laughs> help but not think about what it means today to be in those jobs. And wow, the complexities that leaders have faced during the course of the last 10 months um, are greater than at any time, and, and again, in our lives. So there is no question that these are difficult, demanding jobs. Um, um, but I also, uh, you know, have a sense that, um, I, I'm, again, I'm just in, I'm in awe of what I see so many leaders having done. And, um, you know, what the longer term costs of, of this period of extraordinary intensity um, in, in, in the engagement of managing the day to day is yet to be known. But boy, do I hope um, that, that, that presidents will take care of themselves and, and also uh, find ways of, of, of taking care of their teams, or the costs will be very high for all of us in higher ed. Well, that's a great segue for my next question. And it, it's really aimed at new presidents and their boards. And so as you advise new presidents and their boards when they're embarking upon a new relationship, are there a few essentials that you encourage them to keep in mind to, to help facilitate a positive transition and a hopefully a long uh, and successful presidency? Well, I, uh, I have loved the opportunity to be involved in doing some um, experimentation, some pilot work um, in, in which I, I began on Saturday uh, a third uh, engagement in what I'm calling presidential search reimagined. And, and that is that I, I have, I brought to this work um, a sort of sense that um, search consultants, especially those of, 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 you know, my colleagues at academic search, most of whom have, um, have been college or university presidents or chief academic officers have enormous experience and gifts. And those are beneficial in the conduct of a search, 
but that we gain so much knowledge and information and build relationships with institutions as they are, as you go through that journey together, that it's a little bit of a shame that it's all gone um, at the end. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, I, um, you know, I, I um, uh, was with a board on, on Saturday with a couple of my colleagues um, engaging them as um, at, uh, in the course of today, their presidential announcement will be made. Helping that board to un- get a flyover and understanding of what the process of a search looks like. This is, by the way, 18 months out from um, that president um, uh, departing. That's not the norm, but it enables us to get the board involved and, and the board and only the board um, have the authority for the appointment um, um, and the evaluation and, um, and, and you know, the care, feeding and discharge of, of, of a president. And, um, and so having them be engaged um, as the first voices that we listen to is really valuable and important in my mind. Then, you know, doing, if you will, a conventional search. But after that search is done, um, again, re-engaging with that board and or to extent that they would want their campus community in doing a transition workshop so that they to help facilitate getting acquainted with their new leader to thinking about um, an articulation of what the goals are for that first, um, you know, first few months or that first year, that first five years. Um, uh, and, and, you know, providing, you know, trustees an opportunity to provide some advice and counsel to a new president. Um, again, I've done a couple of these already. I think it really is helpful. But then also trying to help the campus community be ready to do a good job with, um, uh, you know, transition, which um, I, I think of as institutional work, we think of as institutional work and onboarding, um, the work to help somebody get you know, themselves and or their loved ones moved and oriented and in place and, and introduced to a campus community. Um, and then also making a part of our engagements um, an availability um, to do um, transition coaching during year one. Because um, uh, the truth is um, when they begin, um, I know they're, uh, you know, we know their board leaders probably better than they do. And to try and help people to get started and to have uh, an independent, experienced voice that they can be engaged with in that first year. Whether you're a new president or an experienced president, being in a new place is drinking from a fire hose. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so how often do institutions provide the transition or engage in that? Because that sounds like a really good idea, the transition coaching uh, for the, the new president and uh, and with the board. You know, the, 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 the big challenge is there's not often enough the exigency of time that permits. Um, and so, you know, were mm-hmm. I able to have a larger effect, I would wish for the openness and the candor that um, incumbent presidents could have with their boards um, so that it, there's enough trust and enough planning to be able to work um, uh, so that, you know, the handoff of the baton um, can, uh, can be done in this sort of fashion. Um, uh, you know, again, I'm really thrilled that, um, uh, and that there are, it, it works best um, uh, in instances where you've had long serving presidents and, um, and there is that ability to begin those conversations um, uh, well in advance. 
it works less well when there's been an immediate um, uh, or a you know a not planned um, uh, pattern of of succession. And um, you know, but I I find that some of the needs are there. And let me give you an example. I am thrilled um, that the City University of New York, um, um, you know, uh, uh, Chancellor Rodriguez. Um, has engaged us to help with onboarding transition work that includes a year of, uh, of, of, of transition coaching uh, because there, um, uh, you know, are, there's enough turnover in, that, um, uh, in, in, in a big system um, and those people have real needs. And he said, this is my gift um, uh, to these presidents to help them get launched and to be, uh, to get, to be as successful as they can be and to hope that such intention will make their, their presidential tenure longer and more productive for the institution. So we've, we've, we're, we're presently doing three of those um, um, uh, for the CUNY system. And uh, I think that we need in higher ed to be much more intentional about, uh, about transitions and about transition and onboarding. Mm. Well, I hope somebody writes up the experience uh, that you're talking about here, because that's a wonderful gift uh, that leader has given to the presidents of, of the campuses. And uh, I would think uh, that there'd be great interest in doing something like that elsewhere. So um, anyway, I hope I hope that gets some some PR or some some promotion. Um, you know, one, okay. one other comment um, that I want to, a, a colleague said to me, there are way too many boards that think they're only one great president away from greatness. And yeah. um, I rather suspect that that's true. Uh, and, yeah. um, uh, and, and I will, um, I will say this, um, presidents don't act alone. Um, uh, it's not a solo. Um, uh, it's it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. It's a small ensemble, and and it is it's a uh, you know it it really does take um, uh, that ensemble to get anything done. I I try and remind all the search committees I work with that at the end of the day, the only guarantee that we have. The only guarantee that we have is that we're going to hire a human being, and we hope a human being um, who has extraordinary and prodigious gifts and energy and vision and um, is grounded in integrity. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all human, and and we all have areas where we shine more brightly than others. And uh, having um, a leader with the self-awareness to know how to surround themselves with um, a complementary team is absolutely critical for a su successful presidency. Mm. Indeed. So you may know we have a signature question that we end our interviews with. And so I can't let you go without asking you this question. Um, but I'm going to give you your own uh, twist on it. So you are uh, somebody who has been a successful uh, leader. Uh, institutions have been transformed as a result of your leadership. So given this, how might you advise emerging leaders, such as those who are studying in our doctoral program, to think about the future of higher education? So for example, what do you see on the horizon 
that we all need to be thinking about and planning for? And how does that tie into your vision for the future of higher education? Oh, wow. There's a lot. <laughs> well, we know that um, we're in a pandemic. We know that there's going to be fiscal stress um, uh, felt at the state level that will impact publics and privates. We know there's great concern about um, levels of student debt, and those are likely going to influence public policy into the future. We know that we're in a period of, of great technological change. We know that there is a demographic cliff um, that's out there. And, and by the way, at, while it's real, I want to remind people that it's not like we go to zero students at the bottom of that cliff. Um, it, it's a fall. Um, uh, but um, and then I guess, you know, finally, I would say, um, Melissa, the month of January 2021 has been an absolute reinforcement for me of, of the need um, uh, for American higher education. Uh, to step in, to understand, to assess ourselves, and to think about how we prepare citizen leaders. Because I don't care who you are, where you're at, what your mission is, what level of education. At the end of the day, um, in my mind, it is about um, you know producing citizen leaders who can help um, um, you know this country to function well, um, and. Uh, you know, perhaps the um, most frequent single quote I relied upon over 25 years in the presidency, um, and here I reflect the influence of spending much of my life in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, and, and, and the beloved child that, that Jefferson created in his um, generative years, the University of Virginia, um, he, he wrote in the general bill for the diffusion of knowledge, something that he failed at over and over and over. And there's only one part of it that got um, created and that was UVA. But that if a nation expects to be both free and ignorant in a state of civilization, it expects what never was and never will be. And um, we have to step into um, uh, uh, I think the struggles that we find ourselves in as a country and our institutions need to be places where, um, uh, where people um, uh, can engage in discourse and where they can learn from diverse perspectives, um, where they can debate, um, where um, uh, there is a, a sensibility um, uh, about, um, uh, about the establishment of fact. Um, and, um, and, and I think that these are really fundamental. And I, I, I think that it's a part of what I hope um, will always energize those um, who seek to lead in higher education. I'm Melissa Morse-Olson, and you've been listening to Ingenious You. My thanks to our production assistants, Madeline Olson and Marcy Moore. Ingenious You is a production of CELLA, the Center for Higher Ed Leadership and Innovative Practice at Baypath University. 
Check out our website at baypath.edu slash cella for information about our professional development opportunities for higher ed professionals. If you like what you hear on this podcast, be sure to review and rate it wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share Ingenious Hue with your friends and colleagues so that they too can join the conversation. In next week's episode, we speak with Dr. Donna Carroll, who is in her 27th year as president of Dominican University, a comprehensive Catholic university of more than 3,000 students located 10 miles west of Chicago. Dr. Carroll has presided over a period of tremendous and sustained growth at Dominican in size, quality, and complexity. Her presidential tenure reflects all of the essential building blocks for long-term leadership success, something that is a bit of a rarity for college and university presidents these days. Listen in to hear her story and her take on leadership during these increasingly turbulent times. And be sure to subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts so that you do not miss out on this episode. That's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy and be well.